This is the Portland Real Estate Podcast, your number one place for anything you need to know about the Portland real estate market, along with in-depth interviews from our local real estate industry experts. Now, without further ado, here are our hosts, Tucker Merrihue from TTM Development Company and Steve Nassar from Premier Property Group. everybody out there in listener land welcome back this is episode 64 of the portland real estate podcast we are back this week we're cramming in an episode my co-host here steve-o is taking off for a week so we thought we'd get one in we're a little late on the market action report so we're going to talk a little bit about that but we're also going to talk about kind of what we're seeing out there but before we get into all of that i want to welcome my co-host on steve what's happening Hey, Tucker. Good to be back on the show. As you mentioned, I am leaving this weekend for Bend. I'll be there for about a week. We opened the doors on our brand new beautiful office there, and so I am excited to log some hours, do a couple training events, kiss a lot of babies, and shake a lot of hands, and you know, the usual. Where's the office at in Bend? So it's right downtown. It's kind of, if you know much about the downtown band, there's kind of bad parking in the heart of downtown. So we're like two blocks away from the heart of downtown. Like it's two blocks. If you know Pine Tavern, the really yeah. cool restaurant with the I think deck. they got good burgers. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool place. Beautiful deck with right on the river with a patio seating. There's also a literally a tree growing in the middle of the restaurant that they built the restaurant around, which hence their name, and it's a really cool place. We're about two blocks from that. However, the cool thing is that we are just on the edge of downtown, so we have a parking lot. There's plenty of street parking there, so we kind of have the best of both worlds in that regard. There's a couple other real estate offices right in the heart of downtown, and they kind of deal with some of the parking challenges. What's cool about our office, we already built out and grabbed one office space, We filled it up so fast that now we've grabbed an an adjoining office and are building it out. But our office actually has a deck that is an outdoors patio on it that overlooks the river as well. And there's a little restaurant right next door, a little Mexican restaurant. So it's it's a really cool, cool office, cool build out. It's in the Columbia Bank building. If anyone knows downtown Bend, there's a busy intersection there and Columbia Bank is in one of the buildings and we are in it right next to them, which is... Not our first rodeo because here in Lake Oswego, we're in the same building as Columbia Bank right on Meadows Road. Anyone well, that's familiar with Meadows You guys Road? have like 8 million agents, so you know you make a lot of relationships <laughs> with people in your commercial spaces next year, right? Just out of curiosity, uh, you don't have to give me an exact figure or everybody's listening, but approximately how many agents do you guys have working on that office now that it's just opened? We're north of 25. I want to say wow. just past 25. That's and, a lot um, for a new office. And we just opened the doors. I mean, we haven't even done our grand opening celebration. We're, you know, last week we were getting printers set up. The week before we were getting a reception desk in there. So it's barely just opened the doors. So we were we were probably about to up to 15, 20 before the doors opened. And now we're really starting to, to feel the floodgates open. It's kind of, in, it's an interesting market because... The cost matrix over there is just completely different than it is here in in the metro area and maybe other areas as well. You know, and it's it's a little bit more of a niche market. Some of the agents over there are used to split plans that never cap out, which is crazy to us. Like 
you know, there's there's brokerages over there that are still in that realm, which I think we had, you know, maybe 20 years ago or even 15 years ago. I think when I was new into real estate, it was common to have agents who were on a 70, 80, 90 percent split, whatever the case, based on volume. And that never changed. You know, the, the house always kept that. And that's how it was. That's still pretty common over there. So for a company like us who, you know, we have a great business model where, you know, we have many efficiencies in place that allow us to keep our annual costs down while also offering robust services, amenities, marketing, et cetera, we think it's going to make a big splash. And, and it already is. So, well, I think with that, that many agents that quick, I mean, it's pretty obvious that, you know, people are kind of flocking to that business model, which is good to see. Yeah, yeah we had Scott Besaw on the show a while back. He runs Stellar Realty, which is it's a smaller branch over there, but I think he's maybe got 15 agents-ish, something like that. Maybe more. I don't want to misquote it, but he's actually where TTM Realty is a net branch of, of Stellar Realty, and he operates over there right over, right on the way, right before you get out of Dodge and you're heading towards Mount Bachelor. There's a little, I think it's Deschutes Brewery right there in that complex. They've got an office, so I've spent some time there as well, but it's a great place. I, I'm sure you'll have a good time spending the next week there. Yeah, and he, we had him on the show, so I do remember Scott. He was a good guy. We had him on the show a while back, and he was telling us that he was right next to a brewery. We were a little jealous. <laughs> we, yeah, well, we you got a restaurant and a tavern, so there you go. Yeah, yeah. Cool, so it's good to be on the show, get one put together and in the can and out while we're gone, and then we'll be back in town, and I'll be back in town here in a couple of weeks, and we'll get going on some other stuff, but... I thought I'd go right into just a few things going on around here. I mean, it's been crazy, Tucker. We talked about it back in January and February as we were seeing all those weather events. You know, we were seeing, I, I think at one point I even talked about Tavern on Cruise. They're a restaurant. They're across the street, basically, from us, just catty corner to us here on Meadows Road, right there in the, the new little amenity that they put on on the end of Meadows Road, right by the circle, the roundabout. Tavern on Cruise was complaining back in December, January, and they, you know, the owner, rightfully so, was frustrated. He's like, man, this has been just one of the most brutal winters ever in my memory because it's event after event and people just aren't coming out. They're just, they're staying home. They're, they're pulled in. And unfortunately for them, if somebody stays home for a week and maybe, you know, the average person say they go out to dinner twice a week, let's just say. For the sake of this argument, if all of a sudden there's, you know, two weeks of snow or bad weather and they stay home, they don't necessarily get out and go out to dinner six times that next week. Right. I mean, I right. think that's pretty safe to say the difference for us. And I think it's mostly for the good, but it also has some downsides is that doesn't apply to us. If somebody back in December is like, OK, it's time to upsize and get into a bigger house. Just because there's two months of snow and, and horrible weather and they can't get their listing agent out there and they can't go look at some open houses and start getting their bearings on what's out there and what's going for what, that doesn't mean come March they're not going to still do that. So I think what I feel that we're experiencing right now is exactly that. All those people who didn't do that in December, January, February, and even, you know, I felt like it, it's the floodgates just started opening in March and they are wide open and coming at us in full force. My team personally, I mean, it feels like I'm going on a listing appointment or two every day. Now, you know, just on average, we're doing really well. We've got we've staffed up. I actually on my personal team, I've been meeting with 
I've been doing a lot of interviews lately because we're hiring some administrative staff. I'm actually hiring three new people, one executive assistant and then two transaction coordinators to assist the one transaction coordinator that I currently have. I mean, we're just wow blowing up at the seams with business and, and listings and buyers, and, and we just needed some capacity in that regards. We're up to, you know, like a dozen agents on the team. So, I mean, it's understandable that having one transaction coordinator, we probably had passed that juncture here recently, even though the one we have is great and held their own for a long time. It's good also to have some cross training and some ability for the one that you have to take some time off and not feel all the pressure that, you know, the pressure of the world is on their shoulders. So I've been busy with interviews. The team is just onboarding a lot of listings. And and here's the other thing. It's it's not that we're getting listings and they're sitting. They are moving fairly quickly. So there's a lot of buyers out there as well in that in that matrix. Just as, out of curiosity, I mean, where do you think, because you've always been a beast when it comes to, to volume. When you were doing loans, you always killed me in volume. I mean, you just were a beast. And that's just the reality of it. And you, obviously, you know, that's carried over into real estate business too. But I mean, where do most of your leads come from at this point? Because before it was, you had a lot of relationships with realtors, right? That I think is what delivered you a lot of business back in the day on the mortgage side. Are you doing a lot of direct mail? Is it network? What is it that's really, I guess, the secret sauce for you in terms of that? It's a great question, Tucker. Up until recently, I just celebrated my five-year anniversary in the business. So I'm starting for the first time this year, I've had far, far more repeat clients than I've ever had. That is a new phenomenon for me. I think most realtors who are pretty experienced can think back and go, yeah, you know, around that five-year mark, people are starting to call you back up and say, okay, time to sell and do something different. You know, granted, you know, in year three and four, there was that one-off situation where there was a forced move or some, you know, job change or something. There was a couple of them, but it was pretty few and far between. So, I think that's a big part of what we're feeling now is that that sudden surge in repeat business, which is the best kind of business. Make no mistake. You do a good job with a client. You take care of them. You provide a good experience and then you keep in touch with them, have a good system of keeping in touch with them. There is no better appointment, bar none. The second best appointment would be a referral, a good solid referral, which we get a decent supply of those. To answer your question, I also get, I have for some time and I still do get a ton of business from Zillow. It's probably 50, 60% of our business. And, you know, there's going to be agents out there that are going to hate me for it. But I mean, I'll turn the tables on them and say, if you got 50, 60% of your business from Zillow, you probably wouldn't hate Zillow. <laughs> so probably not. It's hard for me to, hard for me to emphasize and feel bad for, for that situation when so much business is coming from it. That's a compilation of a understanding the Zillow model, building a team around it, having good connections and contacts at Zillow, and spending money there as well. If you go around the metro area, especially the west side, so Lake Oswego, Tualatin, Tigard, Wilsonville, Westland, Beaverton, Southwest Portland, if you click around on Zillow, you're going to see me, and you're probably going to see me three times more than anybody else. So that. That is a big supply business. The other thing we're doing here at Premier Property Group, it's a new thing that we added. Actually, we haven't officially rolled it out to everyone. I've been beta testing it and it's been going really, really well. Is we've added, or again, we're about to add to the marketing platform that any agent in our company can use where they have a new listing and they go on this site, marketingppg.com, 
and they can order all the listing materials for that listing. We have been testing uh, circle prospecting around that listing. So up front, you can order just listed pending and sold postcards to go out to the proximity around that listing owner-occupied properties. You can select whatever quantity you want from basically from 100 to, you know, you could even go up to 1,000 if you wanted to. I usually do about 500. And what it does is it's really cool because it's so streamlined and easy to use. As the marketing team is taking the photos and the description we provide and all the features of the home, they're taking that. And they're also, amongst other things, of course, amongst the print pieces and the videos and the 3D and everything else they create, they're creating a just listed postcard. Now, for the just listed postcard, and, and by the way, Tucker, I am answering your question, I promise. No, I, I, I know we're getting there. Yeah, I'm getting into it in a slow way. But the just listed postcard, we use CoreFact, which is a company out of the Bay Area who has a pretty good niche on providing direct mail that is very specific to the property you're targeting. So that just listed postcard on the front of it shows my listing. It shows me, it gives a little bit of information about the listing. And then what's really cool, Tucker, and I know you do a lot of direct mail, so you'll appreciate this. On the front of the postcard, it will say their name, I think first and last, or maybe just first. So it would basically say, Tucker, turn over card to see how to assess value of your house at 123 Main Street. And it will say their specific address printed on the postcard. So it's very personalized in that regard. When they turn it over, there's a little map there that shows their house and then it shows all the solds in the vicinity. And it has a little bit of more verbiage, but amongst you know some of the other things, it says, go to this site and register to see an approximate value of your home and call us if you have further questions. So that person can then go into, they can go onto that site. They have an access code that's unique to them. So when they use that access code to check their value, CoreFact is notified and then they notify you that the person at 123 Main Street just checked their home's value. I have a program through PPG that we use that gives us the phone numbers for that address. You gotcha. probably have done something similar as well. They're out yeah, there. Yeah, no, it's a it's a slick system. You know, you're basically taking a cold lead, you're warming it up, and now you can cold call. Well, it's a warm call, basically. Yeah, you're calling them and you're just saying, hey, you know, I have a listing near you. And that's the beauty of it is I'm not calling somebody in just some random farm area. I'm calling somebody within, you know, a quarter mile of a listing that I have. By the way, on all of our listings, we put a ton of directionals out so that we pretty much give the perception that we own that neighborhood. So there's directionals at basically every major intersection and, you know, all the different corners that lead you into that listing in addition to the sign at the listing. So there's already some brand familiarity there where they're getting the Corfac card, we're calling them, leaving a voicemail if they're not there. We're then sending them a seller welcome package that they get within a couple of days. And then here's what's also cool, Tucker. So then when that listing goes pending, the marketing administrator for the marketing platform, he's pinged, he sets up as an assistant in my RMLS to get status notifications. So when a listing changes statuses, he gets an email he then knows that my listing is pending. I don't even have to tell him. And he reaches out to me and goes, okay, it's time to send out this pending postcard. Is it approved? I reply and say, yep, looks good. That then goes out to those same 500 people saying that it's now pending. And on the back of the pending card, it says, you know, here's some of the marketing we did to get this home sold quickly. And then when it's sold, same thing. So we're basically taking each of my listings and really, really 
aggressively going after the surrounding area, which there's a propensity for sellers to really, or for homeowners to really like somebody who's already in their neighborhood. That's something I've identified over the years. You know, sometimes I'll go in to a listing appointment and they'll be like, yeah, Steve, your marketing's pretty impressive, but you know, Joe Smith over here or Susie, you know, Susie Smith over here with XYZ real estate, she's listing the house down the block and she really knows the area and blah, 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 and it's spending sales. So I want to turn those tables and I want to be that person and really go after the homeowners in the vicinity of my listing. So we've streamlined that for our agents and it's working really well. I've got a listing in Northwest Portland on Reed that's going live next week that I got through this campaign. I've got one in Tualatin that I just got through this campaign off of another listing. So we're starting to see some good traction off that. And that's been a pretty good return on investment. So that, yeah, I think that's, those, that's good. I mean, I, <clears throat> I figured that there was other aspects to it as well. I mean, your theory about people, it's a familiarity thing, right? I mean, it's, it's no accident that we always do a bunch of projects right around each other, right? Yeah. That's no accident. It's no accident yeah. that people, you know, one larger tract of land or, you know, tear down property that we buy, we end up buying two, three, four, five others within the, the same proximity. It, it's no accident. And, it, you know, the reason part of that is that we build a presence, we leverage the presence and, you know, that voila, it works whether you're getting listings, it works whether you're buying property, whatever, you know, so. Yeah, well, once you get on the phone, you have that for you. You can start talking about your experience with your neighbor, you know, just 10 houses down. Here's kind of what we did. Here's how we went about it. And yeah, absolutely. It resonates well. And you have an in and an advantage that your competition immediately doesn't have. In addition to everything else, you know, all else equal, you have that. But then, it, you know, if you have some other tools at your disposal, they're just going to be gravy on top of that. So what I like about this campaign is it lets you pick and choose where you want more business. If somebody's referred to me to list their house, I don't get to pick where they live. And if a past client calls me, to list their house. I don't get to pick where they live. And in fact, I didn't even get to necessarily pick where they lived in the first place. Maybe I had some feedback about, you know, this neighborhood versus that neighborhood, but ultimately they decided. But if I have a listing in Tualatin and then a listing in Wilsonville and I feel more comfortable with one than the other, I can choose to go big aggressively in that area and, and not the other. And and that allows you to go in the areas that you want to be in and, and feel comfortable in and can relate to the best. So I like that aspect of that marketing as well. Yeah, I dig it. With all that marketing that you're doing, all the leads coming in and all the, you know, houses you're listing and selling, what do you think's going on in the market? I guess to segue a little bit. Yeah. Let me chat real quick, Toker, about on the brokerage side. And then we'll we'll jump to that. I, I didn't touch there. I was cutting um, you off and I, I, <laughs> I didn't give you a chance to fully talk here, I guess. Because <laughs> I know I haven't talked enough. I want to just talk about a couple exciting things going on. I've been working a lot lately on our brand new website. Our current website, admittedly, is a little bit dated, and we are excited to graduate it and have a very cutting-edge one. So I've been working a lot with that. It's going to integrate nicely with Boomtown, which is the CRM we use. They're going to work hand-in-hand so that searches will still be in Boomtown, leads will go into Boomtown, yet the interface of it, the, the site itself, will be gorgeous. We'll have some really cool functionality. I'll talk about it more in the future as we roll it out and some of the cool stuff that we have going on with it. But the other cool thing that is going on for PPG, we are looking at office space in Salem now. Kelly Yock and, and Lori Yock were just down there this week. I couldn't make it as much as I wanted to. It's been just a nutty week as I'm trying to get out of town. 
I'm very familiar with Salem. I grew up down in that area. It's very, very familiar to me. So I wanted to see it. I will be seeing it here in the near future, but they did find an office kind of in the south of downtown area. We have a big team that we're talking to that's going to join us. And we already have a few other agents in the area that have been with us for a while. And they've just been, you know, working remotely out of the Lake Oswego office. So I think we're going to make a letter of intent here in the near future and have a Salem office as well. The other interesting thing is we have a Eugene agent that has joined us. He reached out to us and said he's heard some great things. He's going to work remotely for a while. We have no immediate plans to get a Eugene office, but that's usually how it starts. And he's actually talking to a couple other people in the area. So that's kind of exciting as well. I think that's it on the brokerage side. So what, Sounds what, like world, world domination for PPG <laughs> is eminent. <laughs> By the way, I, I haven't said this on the air, Tucker, but I was really pleased when your, your mother-in-law came up to me at an event. Gosh, I, I don't know. It's been a month or two ago now. And she came up to me and she's like, hey, I don't know if you knew, you know, she's she's out of our Clackamas office. Carol is her name. She comes up to me and she's like, yeah, I'm Tucker's mother-in-law. I've been with PPG. I think she's been with us for three years now. I, I had wow. never really met her prior. She's a regular, though, here recently. I've seen her. I see her at a lot of our stuff. I told you off the air, I had happy hour with her and some other people earlier this week, just chatting about you and our, our past and history and what an absolute asshole I really am behind the, the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> and, but I just thought that was cool that, that Tucker's got some some familiarity and some family here at PPG. There you go. You know, you know what's funny? Is we're stringing this out before we get to the market thing. But, you know, when I started in this business, same year as you, way back in 2000, what was it, 2003? You know, literally, I didn't have one family member, whether it be extended, immediate, whatever, that was involved in the real estate business. None whatsoever. And now I've got tons. So it's it's funny how that's changed over the last, you know, 15 years-ish. But yeah, you know, I, I said the same thing, Tucker. When I got in the, into the mortgage industry in 2003, I remember specifically thinking, gosh, I would meet lenders who are like, yeah, my mom's a realtor. My cousin's a realtor. I'm trying to get their business. And I was like, gosh, wouldn't that be nice? Because <laughs> I had yeah. not one person. But we did good. We did good. And I know you and me both got out there and now I probably wish I knew less realtors, <laughs> only because only because they're they're all competition in some right ways. I mean, obviously I, I say that in joking from the brokerage side, but all the circles I run with are all realtors. So anyone you meet that's a non-realtor, your chances go down exponentially of being their go-to person, right? That, that's true. It's like putting a you know bait in a piranha bucket, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> But all right, so now we can segue. What's going on with this crazy market? Now we've got stats, we can kind of weave them in, but just what's your feeling? Let's let's go off feeling and, and then we can kind of mention stats where needed. How about that? Yeah, I mean, it's bananas, Tucker. To quote your words, it's bananas out there. I mean, look at, you know, we're a couple of weeks past this market action report, but it was huge that in March, listings were up by 43%. So basically, half as many listings came on the market in March as they did in February. It was the most listings hitting the market in March since 2010, which, you know, I mean, we've had some pretty good marches since 2010. I think a lot of that has to play into the warming and the weather, as we talked about. So there's a lot more inventory hitting the market and a lot more people who've been maybe out there that wanted to do something that just couldn't get around to it because of some of the weather issues that suddenly are coming out in full force. 
But here's the other crazy part is it's not a glut of inventory that's, you know, sitting. It is moving. We mm-hmm. are actively seeing them move and go pending rather quickly. And the market action report, you know, conveyed that the pendings and the solds are up as well. Yeah, I mean, I think the one notable, I guess, in terms of stats is we've got 1.3 months of inventory in March compared to 1.9 in February, right? So you got a glut of new listings that came on the market, but the market gobbled them up as quickly as they came on. So it's, you know, we've been talking about, is there going to be a bump in inventory? When's it going to happen? I think if it was going to happen, that was the month, but the market was so hungry, it just ate it all up. So it's interesting. You've got a lot of listings coming in. What are you seeing on the ones that you've put on the market? Is it bananas on that end of it too? It is. It is. I have to say that our listings are not sitting. I'm trying to think of one that we've had for a while and I'm struggling here. I think they're moving. I mean, we had a $2 million house that maybe sat for about 60 days, but it's pending now as well. No, I can't think think of anything that I mean I'm not saying definitively that you know nothing sits for long there, there's always going to be houses with issues and you know dysfunctional floor plans or busy roads and stuff like that but my listings have been have been moving rather quickly not always multiple offers but within that first week it feels like and and yes many times with multiple offers the buyers agents on our team you know they're putting deals together I don't know that I would say it's the worst battle axe market they've been in. We've been in some pretty bad ones in the last couple of years, but it's up there. It's up there. And I think we're all loving it. I mean, you know, it's crazy thing about this business. You know, we had a, a meeting yesterday and we're just running ragged here. I mean, we're it's a feast and famine business. I mean, we went from complaining in January and February about how slow things are and, you know, when's this weather going to change to now, I'm not going to lie to you. I've had a couple weeks in a row where there's several days a week where I'm waking up like 3 a.m. to get caught up on stuff. I mean, it's that crazy, you know, to make sure that no balls drop and everything happens as it does. You got to do what you got to do. And and I, I, I doubt I'm alone. I'm sure there are plenty of other agents out there that are doing whatever it takes to keep things together. And I'll I'll vouch for the fact that I've seen a number of 6 a.m. emails from from you over the past, you know, (laughs) so try to schedule shows and whatnot. Well, here's obviously you've already gotten up, had the coffee, done what you got to do. I mean, now you're in work mode. So, you know, you're definitely, you know, burning the early morning oil. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, here's the secret, Tucker. If you you start on emails at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m., turn your outlook off you know, go to your send, receive and take yourself offline. And then somewhere around maybe 637, turn it on. You'll have about, you know, 50 emails by then that'll suddenly rush out. And some poor person on your team will go, oh my gosh, Steve just sent me nine emails. But, but it's that way your clients don't think you're a maniac, even though you probably are. (laughs) Here's the thing, Tucker. This is not going to last forever. And if you start dropping balls, if you start getting complacent right now and you start going, oh, I I just got five listings this week. Who cares if we list this guy? Don't go after it aggressively. A few months will go by and you'll be back into November, December. And who knows? Maybe even the market's shifting at that point or at some future point. And you're wishing that you had capitalized on things as you should have. It's what we used to say in the the mortgage business. You got to make hay while the sun's shining. I mean, and 
take care of those people. Make sure their experience is good. You can't tell them, hey, I know you've emailed me twice now asking a question, but I'm not going to reply to you because I'm too busy. We've got a lot going on. I mean, you can't do that because if you do that, then when the market's changing or it's a different environment, those people are gone and you've squandered that opportunity. So the good agents, the good teams, they know that when you're inundated with business at times like this, where maybe it's been pin up for a little bit, you got to step up. You got to do what it takes. You got to make those people happy and scale if needed and leverage yourself and, and hire, which is what we're doing. And But until you you hire and until those people are trained and in place, guess who gets to be the elasticity that holds it all together and makes sure no balls drop? Usually the team leaders and some of your lieutenants maybe that are on your team. How about you? How are things on the building side? It's bananas. You know, I don't remember the last time it took more than a week to sell anything. Most of the time it's sold before we're done. We are putting one on the market today in first edition, our second of two townhomes that we built on D in between second and third and D. So we pre-sold the first one and we decided to wait until the second one was done to, you know, kind of go full bore in marketing it. So we're putting it on today. I imagine it'll probably be sold by next weekend at the latest. You know, we've sold a bunch of other stuff, not fully turnkey product, but kind of a wholesale type product. There's a lot of demand in the market for that. So we've done some of that lately. We are hedging a little bit. You know, we've got a lot of high-end stuff that we're cranking on and we're in pre-planning and we're in partitioning and we're in building mode. But we're also doing some lower-end remodels now just to kind of hedge against any changes in the market. I don't want to be too top-heavy in what we're doing. I'm happy with where we're in, and I'm happy with the lots that we have. I'm just being careful not chasing the pricing up too high. And instead of taking an A-plus lot, taking a B-plus lot for the sake of building. So everything that we've got on the build side, it's A-plus lots, A-plus area, and I'm happy with where we're in at pricing. So I'm good with building those, but I'm being careful on what we acquire moving forward just because it's a long process to build houses. So with the lower end stuff, we're kind of servicing Portland's affordable housing, quote unquote, with what we're doing. You know, there's one that we bought just, let's see, 64th south of Duke. And, you know, we bought it for a price that we could probably, you know, based on what Renaissance and a few other builders are doing in there, we could knock it down and we could put a new house in there and, you know, it would probably sell really quickly. But Instead, we're taking a two-bedroom, one-bath house, we're going to make it turnkey, and we'll put it back on the market at a much more affordable price. So that's kind of our hedge. We're kind of taking that pivot with projects like that. Fortunately, we can because we do both. We renovate and we build new construction where a lot of people don't do that or don't do it well, which we do, fortunately. So that's kind of our hedge. You know, everything's great. Sun's shining right now, but, you know, there's some conflicting data out there that I've seen. I write a newsletter every month for our national podcast, and, you know, the Consumer confidence is at a ridiculously high level, but quarterly GDP was at a ridiculously low level. So, you know, there's some disparity there. There's some interesting stuff going on with the underlying economic data and not only in just what people view it as, but what it really is. So, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic. Like I said previously in this show, the bump in inventory, if it was going to happen, I think it would have happened in the last month with all that increase in listings, but the market's still hungry. But I will say one caveat. I did get an email from a person who bought a house from us 10 months ago. And so they bought, they came into Portland last summer. They bought a house, very happy with the house, had nothing to do with the house, but they said that they had a a family emergency. And I'm not sure what that means. I think that just means that they want us to hurry up and come back and do any warranty stuff because they said they need to relocate. And I'm not going to 
pontificate on what the family emergency is, but I will say that they showed up for the worst winter ever and they might be, <laughs> and they're from California. So they might be saying, what did we do moving yeah. up here yeah. with the winter that they just experienced? So I'd be curious if that's, you know, going to happen more than just this one time that I've experienced. I got to imagine there's a number of people that are thinking to themselves, what the hell did we do, honey? Why did we move to this god awful yeah. place? You know, I totally agree. Eastern I totally agree. We'll see. I can't remember if we've talked about it on here, Tucker, but I know a lot of native Oregonians, myself somewhat included, who've lived here pretty much your entire lives, who are going, get me out of here. I need sun. I need to. <laughs> Steve, you're, <laughs> you're, you're looking at one right now across from me here. On yeah, Skype. yeah. <laughs> So you can only imagine what the Californians and some of these other people from other areas that are maybe a little bit more warm-blooded are thinking, especially since they might be thinking that was a normal winter, which you and I both know that it wasn't, and that it was a, you know, it was a fluke, you know, probably one in 20 years or so type winters. But for somebody who didn't know that and is starting to think that's the new normal for <laughs> from October through Gosh, have we had more than three days of sunshine in a row yet? I mean, I don't remember <laughs> seeing that. We had a beautiful one this week. I was 80 degrees, but we just can't for the life of us string a couple of them together in a row. I mean, it's like the second you have a good one. I don't even think we've had two in a row. It started changing yesterday as into, you know, cloudiness and humidity and now rain. So it's been a crazy winter. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if we if we lose quite a few Californians as a result of it to speak to some of the stuff you were saying i mean i think your first edition place is gonna go great tucker the way you guys build and what you do that area just has no inventory i've got a buyer on a search right now looking for you know something under gosh i think they're looking seven seven fifty and under and it's just it is slim pickings in the first yeah. edition area so good luck good luck yeah. you're gonna be buying a teardown for anything under that well maybe something that somebody puts out there is not a teardown but you know, reality is yeah. it probably is. But yeah, newer yeah. construction or anything turnkey. Yeah, good luck. Are you noticing a lot of competition on lots and fixers? I mean, the thing I've always heard and believed is as a market continues and it's getting hotter and hotter and it's longer and longer of, you know, a good market, the more I want to say probably the worst way to say this, but I'll just say it anyway, the more dumb money that runs into it, they Very. don't know what they're doing, but they have money. And they're like, oh, I got to start flipping. I got to start building. And we see it on the real estate side. I got to get over there and, and start selling houses or whatever the case. Do you feel like you're seeing more of that today than even a year ago or two years ago? And Yeah, that I would say so. Think? I mean, we've pivoted out of a few areas because of that. It's just, it's kind of the nature of the beast. I think that we've planned ahead on the areas that we want to be in thinking that they had longer term upside, right? As opposed to the immediate gratification. And, you know, for the last two areas that we got into, I was 100% correct. First one was first edition. Three years ago, we were the biggest landowner in first edition. So now we're all but sold out, but one unit. You know, now prices have gone up significantly. If you want to build in there, it's a much more expensive venture. And, you know, then we pivoted and we bought a bunch of land over in the upper drive area where I live. And now that's become, I would say, as hot or hotter than first edition, really, because you get bigger lots, you're closer to the freeway, you still have all the amenities of downtown Lake Grove now, you know, and all the things that are yet to come still. 
So, you know, we've planned, but we've also pulled in the reins now in acquiring anything more because, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of money chasing lots. I mean, just for example, we got a call yesterday here in the office, which was surprising to me, but it was from a national builder who was trying to buy me out of some of our lots that we have on upper around the upper drive area. Hmm. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, okay, a national builder, they don't really know Portland. They're just getting into Portland is what they told us. You know, they want to get into the Portland market. So they're buying, they don't have any relationships like, you know, we built over the years with people, whether it be pocket listings, word of mouth, marketing, whatever, in order to get a, a good price on anything. If they're going to buy into this market, they're going to buy in at the absolute most money. That's the only way they're getting in with no real presence before now. And so they're buying in at the absolute highest price at what I feel is, you know, the peak compared to the last, let's call it, you know, 10 years. So yeah, that pretty much epitomizes dumb money, right? I mean, they're venturing into the Portland market at a time when I don't know that if I was running that company, I would venture into it right now trying to buy, you know, based on not having any connections and based on the market cycle. I don't know that I would do that. But obviously they're they're getting aggressive because they're calling other builders trying to buy them out of lots, which means they they know you got to make money to sell, right? They got to entice you enough to sell mm-hmm. your right? So I don't know. We'll see. Definitely a lot of competition. We do a ton of marketing to get all of our inventory. We've had to do a lot more of it this year than in years past in order to generate the same amount of inventory or opportunities to buy stuff at prices that make sense for us to actually go through the redevelopment. We're not a volume builder, so we're not going to do 100 houses a year and just, you know, try and make up profit on volume, right? We're, you know, more of a boutique builder where we'll do less projects and, you know, we'll try and maximize our opportunity in each project. So we're cautiously optimistic, but yeah, I've pulled the reins in a little bit. We're not going to chase the market up and we're not going to chase stupid money to pay prices that I just think are, you know, putting us in the way of not in a good position, you know, because a lot of these projects are long-term projects and I have to be responsible not only for myself, but for everybody that works for me and the company. And so we've got enough work, more than enough work to keep us busy, but it's tough though too, because remember back at the last go around, you know, greed is an interesting driver, right? It pushes you to want to do a lot of things and to pull back the reins on greed can be tough sometimes because it looks so rosy and great and it's, it's hard to, you know, basically say, ah, you know, I'll leave a little bit of money on the table to, you know, as an insurance policy, essentially. It's hard to do that when greed is everywhere. And I feel like we're kind of at that point right now, especially on the, at least in the building side, the, the flipping side, there's a lot of that pressure. Yeah, it's almost, I think it's called a capitulation of the market. When it's to its highest point on both sides, you know, it, it's a capitulation on the high side. It's kind of when it's just a frenzy, just everybody thinks you can't do wrong. Everything is going up. It's always going to go up. And, you know, another telltale sign of, and here's the thing though, Tucker, I mean, we've been, I've been thinking this for a year or so, so I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh my gosh, you know, it's today, it's tomorrow, it's even next year. We, you know, who knows when it's going to happen, but we know it has to happen. Markets have to cycle and they have to change, but it definitely feels like, you know, a capitulation has to do with everybody wants to be in real estate. Everybody thinks they can do it. It looks easy. You can't make bad decisions. You know, it's in the stock market. That's, you know, in a bull market, you can't buy a bad stock. Everything's going up. Everything's roaring up. You know, real estate's kind of the same way. But when that reaches its highest point and it's biggest frenzy is usually when, you know, you start to see a change in the market. And the reverse of that is true as well. When there's usually the greatest fear in the market, which we probably saw somewhere in 10, 11, 
is usually the capitulation to the other extent. That's when there suddenly is buying opportunities because everybody's dumping and they're afraid. And that, that works in the stock market as well. One thing I will tell you that I am seeing firsthand. Remember I told you earlier in this podcast that we've been hiring on my team this week? And, mm-hmm. and to be fair, PPG's been hiring a lot too. Wages are up. Wages are definitely up. You know, positions that we used to hire for $15, $16, $17 just a few years ago are now in the 20 range. And that, my friend, is inflation. That is inflation, plain and simple. Houses going up in price as much as they have. I mean, we're seeing properties that we sold three years ago, four years ago, that are now 50, 75% higher in value. That is inflation as well. So there's a lot of inflation out there. Even though the stats aren't showing it yet, you have to think they will soon. And when they do, that will affect mortgage interest rates. That will absolutely affect mortgage interest rates. If inflation all of a sudden starts showing up at 2 3%, mortgage rates will not be at 4% for 30 years. And they will jump up dramatically, and that will affect the real estate market. So it's interesting for me to watch that the inflation numbers aren't showing it yet, but I'm seeing it firsthand. And I think it's just a matter of time before they do show it. So well, just remember the, the government numbers are a rear view indicator. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as long as you keep that outlook, you know, we can kind of plan. But bottom line is it cycles. We were doing a lot of business back when the capitulation was 2010, 2009 on the negative side. And we're doing a lot of business now when the capitulation's on the positive side. So, you know, it's just about being aware of, of what it is that you're doing and Obviously, we both are, so I'm sure we'll both be here for a long time to come. Yeah, and I saw an interesting stat today. Just today on the news, unemployment is the lowest it's been in 10 years. So hence the tight job market and hence the inflation, hence the, you know, the wages being up. So it is interesting to see and watch. And So bottom line, the market's good right now. I mean, I'm telling my sellers, get out there. If you're in the market to sell, get out there, sell, do it now. Don't try to time this thing. Don't think to yourself, oh, if I sit another six months, it'll be worth 30 grand more. It could just as easily, you know, start to cool. And the second that happens, it's already too late. The second you see your first press clipping that the market's changing, you've missed the boat and you are going to get much, much less than you would have got had you sold it, you know, six months or a year before that. I got a quote you could tell all your sellers because we've been living by it for many years now, which is, Pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. So I love you know. it. I love it. Yeah, I, I use that one too. That's a good one. You're far better to be early in your timing than to be late in real estate. That's for sure. Cool. All right. Well, I think we exhausted the market plus everything else we had to chat about. So hopefully everybody out there and listening and enjoyed it. I know I enjoyed chatting about it all. Best of luck on your Ben trip next week. We'll be back probably a week after that. I'm working on a, a big guest for us. So I'll keep everybody out there and listening in the dark, but I'm working on it. We'll see if we can make that happen. Awesome. Sounds good, Tucker. Have a great weekend and we'll see you soon. Sounds good. All right, everybody out there in Listenland, we're wrapping up. We'll see you guys here in probably a couple weeks. Thanks again for listening to our show and make sure to tune in next week for another great episode of the Portland Real Estate Podcast.